0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, we'll finish there. Thank you, brother. All right. Turn your Bible, please, to the book of... What? You are very welcome. All right. uh, Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter 17. It is good to see each of you here tonight. Uh, When we get this time of year, we start getting affected a little bit, summer crowds. Uh, But that's all right, amen, because y'all are here, and I'm here, and the Lord's here. He doesn't live here, you know that? Uh, But He lives within us, and the Bible says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. And last week we began looking here in Acts chapter number 17 and we had to stop. Uh, we didn't have to but I decided to stop for sake of time. But we're going to pick back up here and we were looking kind of at adventures in evangelism is what we were talking about last week. But uh, I'm going to transition into the emphasis tonight is going to be on a message that will change your world. Um, if you look here in verse number 6, the Bible says, And when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying. This is the accusation against the, those that had trusted Christ and were saved. And Paul and Silas's ministry there, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So what, how exactly had these men turned the world upside down? What an accusation. Turn the world upside down. Now, Um, when you think about the accusation that these that have turned the world upside down, they're saying, man, things have been a certain way for a while and these guys come in and all of a sudden things are uh, topsy-turvy, you know, they're they're upside down, they're switched around. But really, from their perspective, they turned things upside down, but from God's perspective, they were turning things right side up. And what exactly was it that uh, enabled them to do that? Now, uh, I believe that you know every, uh, most every you know New Testament church. I, I dare say, evangelical church. I don't consider ourselves uh, evangelical, but uh, some would classify us as that. But but just to say, they want to make a difference in their world, and we certainly do. I believe most churches probably want to make a difference in their world. But the the, the thing that's really going to make a difference is what we find in this text, folks. And I am all for, um, you know, as, as we talked about last week, we talked about Paul's methods, how he would go to the synagogue, and then he would uh, meet with the Jews first, and then he'd begin to reach out to the Gentiles. And, he, and he'd always go to the largest city, he'd go to a key city, and then kind of reach out from there and hope that the church that was established would reach out into the areas around. He had his methods. And we talked about how methods, uh, you know, we can use methods. I, I believe in... Trying to find, you know, thinking outside of the box. Not thinking outside of the Word of God, but just thinking outside of the box. What's some ways that we can get the gospel to people? What's some ways that we can get people here to, to hear the gospel? Now remember, when we think about our methods, we know that uh, there, 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 there's some lines that we draw as far as conscience. Sake. There's some things that we could do to get people here, isn't there? Uh, uh, we could say that Sunday, pastor's going to preach without a shirt, and that would probably make people leave. Uh, or something, but or, you know, or we we could do something like that. But uh, we're not going to, we, we're not trying to get people here at all costs. That's what some people, and and I use that as a kind of a silly example. But as you as you are well well aware, for some time, some people are so intent on getting people in the church and getting people here that the ends end up totally justifying the means, and. And, uh, and so they just say, well, hey, we got a bunch of people here. But it's like, well, yeah, then what? You know, have, have there, or, or is the gospel being preached? Is people's lives being changed? Because that is the ultimate goal, seeing people's worlds uh, being changed, people's worlds being turned upside down or right side up, depending on how you look at it. So let's read the first nine verses now of this chapter, all nine verses. 17 verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 1. Now when they had passed through Phileas and Apollonia, they came into Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ, He is the promised Messiah, going all the way back to Genesis 3.15. And some of them believed, praise the Lord, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of a baser sort, And gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they had found them not, they drew Jason out and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the the, the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city. And when they had heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason and of the order, they let them go. And uh, we'll, we'll stop right there just to try to deal with the message that will change your world. As we talked about last week, Thessalonica is a a city in Greece. It's still uh, the second largest city at one time. At this time, it was about 200,000 people. This was about a hundred miles from Philippi. In Acts chapter 16, where they'd encountered, you know, had their ministry in Philippi. They had been beaten, uh, locked up. They had prayed. And at midnight, God opened up the doors. And after that happened, they traveled a hundred miles down here to Greece, uh, to Thessalonica. And there we've seen what they did. Number one, they went to the meeting place. They went to the synagogue. And we talked about the reason last week they did that, to the Jew first. Um, Some people try to look at the fact that Paul would go to synagogues and they say, "See, that's why it doesn't matter. You you know what kind of church uh, you go to." Paul went to the synagogue, but that's that's not a good argument for why you can go to any kind of church because the reason he went to the synagogue is that's where the Jews were and that's where the Jews, by and large, were trying to practice what God had given in the Old Testament, uh, and they were not they were not. Uh, they, had, they didn't, didn't know that Jesus was the Christ who had come, and so they were get, He was getting that message to them. So but we talked about that a little bit last week. So the meeting place We talked about the means last week. Verse 2 says, The Scriptures. He reasoned with them from the Word. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe and in verse three is where we're going to look tonight uh, the bible says opening and alleging that christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this jesus whom i preach unto you is christ now what's a, what's another term we use for uh, for christ what's Messiah, that's right, Messiah, the Anointed One, and again, so anytime when the Bible's talking about uh, Christ, it's in the New Testament, we understand that that's Jesus, but when He's saying, hey, Christ needed to die, he needed Christ needed to suffer, Christ needed to die, at that moment, to the Jews, what He's doing is He's going to like Isaiah 53 in some of these places, and He's saying, hey, the Messiah that was promised had to suffer, The Messiah had to die. The the Messiah, according to the Old Testament, had to rise again. And I'm trying to tell you that that Messiah is Jesus, is the one. It is Him. He is the Messiah. So when he's talking about Christ, he's not coming to them saying, hey, Jesus had to suffer, Jesus had to die, Jesus had to rise again. He's saying, no, the, the Messiah had to do that. Jesus fits the bill. If you understand what I'm saying, it's just a distinction because these people didn't really know who Jesus was. But Paul was trying to show that Jesus Christ was indeed the one spoken about from Genesis on down through the rest of the Old Testament. But folks, I would submit to you today that just like in this time, just like in this day, the world still needs the gospel. Now that's not a very surprising statement to hear in a a church, is it? the world still needs the gospel. But I'm telling you, the gospel is desperately what they need. Jesus Christ is who they need. And honestly, the ultimate ultimate means haven't changed. We talked about that last week, the word of God. And I'll be uh, repeating some of that again. But then the message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe tonight? that the gospel can still change lives in 2022. Matter of fact, that's all that can change lives. We can get people here. We can, we can uh, you know, get people to do better. We can get people to try to live better lives. We can get all kinds of things. But I'm telling you, if people do not hear and believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ they will, I mean, and ultimately the big problem is they're going to be separated from God during time and then for all eternity. But the issue is that we've got to make sure that we stick with the means and that we stick with the message. Uh, you know, again, we, we want to make the church, uh, you know, uh, an inviting place. We want, to, we, we want to advertise the church. And by the way, what's the very best advertisement that can ever be done for the church? Yeah, Look around. Word of mouth is it. It's you and it's me. And aren't you glad? I'm I'm glad that because of you, uh, and to God be the glory, but I'm glad that I can tell people, hey, come to my church. Not mine. This I belong to this church just like you do. Come to the church that I go to. Why? Because I know when you get there that there's going to be some people that are going to love you. They're not going to judge you based on your appearance or based on... You know, uh, whatever you're wearing, whatever it is, they're going to love you. They're going to show you the love of Christ. And we're going to do our very best to, to, to preach the word of God to you. We've got singers and musicians, of course, that are, that, that are doing the very best they can to glorify God and that are, that are practicing and, and doing what they can. We've got teachers and preachers that are studying to give the word of God. My point is, have you ever been a part of a church that you, you didn't know if you could invite everybody to? Anybody? I mean, I've, I've been a part of a church. I've been in situations like that before where I'm just like, yeah, uh, I'd love for you to come, but if you can't, you know, you do live closer to this other church. They're, they're pretty nice over there um, and whatever. But, uh, but, but anyway, the, 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 best, uh, the best way to advertise, and I believe in all that, but I'm telling you, by the grace of God, the thing we've got to understand and, and, and we don't think people want the gospel, but they don't want it because they don't even know what it is. But it's our job to give people the gospel, every one of us. That's the message. That's what will change people's lives. That's what will change people's worlds. And the problem is, am I wrong about this? You just tell me that sometimes I believe we doubt the power of the gospel. Now, we don't doubt the power of the gospel for the shoemakers in Africa. Oh, they're going there, they're going to share the message and they're starting you know, dozens of churches and I think he wants to start a hundred churches before he dies or Jesus comes. And, and we believe that'll work. And we might even believe that the gospel will work uh, for you know, somebody else. But, but sometimes when it comes to the people that we know, love and know the most, do we believe the gospel will work in their lives? Do we believe the gospel can turn their, life, their world upside down? I'm afraid that we. I'm afraid that sometimes we don't seem to do that, because we just think, "Oh man, no, that. Oh no, you don't know. us. They don't want anything to do with God." Family members, absolutely. That's that's some of the hardest. We've known them. They know us. Oh, they know me, and they don't respect me, and they give me a hard time. Do you really think that? And I understand that people in other countries often are anxious to hear the truth. But do you really think, does it sound like the people where Paul went were real excited when he got there? Now, some of the people may have been somewhat, and after they trusted Christ. But the point that I'm just simply trying to make, folks, is the gospel is not just for people who are hungry to hear it. What we've got to understand is that that person that you know that is uh, trying to, that person that you know that is devoted to their church and their religion, you know what they're telling you by that? They're hungry for the gospel, but they're not getting it in their church or their, their religion. That person who is so prideful and likes to party and drink and whatever else, they're telling you they need the gospel. You're saying, you don't understand. They make fun of me. They just found out I went to church and made fun of me. I didn't even tell them anything about the gospel. I'm trying to tell you today that the gospel is still the power of God into salvation. And the gospel, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God will still change lives. Amen. And so this is a message that will change your world. It will change the world of those who you love. You say, I've given them the gospel and they haven't responded. Well, hey, pray for them and maybe come back again. Maybe build a relationship with them and try to show them the love of Christ and do what you can if they're readers. And by the way, not all people are readers. Uh, anybody say Amen right there? Uh, but not all people are readers. But if they are readers, hey, try to get a good, try to get a book in their hand. You know, we give away Done uh, by Carrie Schmidt uh, all the time. You know, try, that. That gives a great explanation of the gospel. But but one way or the other, just give the word of God. Love people, care about people, and don't and listen. One of the things that I think that we do to a fault sometimes is that we'll give the gospel to somebody. Well, they didn't get saved. I'm not going to have anything else to do with them. They didn't trust Christ. They didn't receive what I had to say to them. No, be a friend to them. Show them the love of Christ. Think about what Jesus did. He just loved people. He cared about people. He demonstrated that love. He spent time with them. I think one of the things that we, are, that, that we could do a lot better job at, and, and some of you I know are actually doing this already, to spend time with somebody that's not saved. Well, preacher, well, hold on right there. The Bible says, Come out from among them and be ye separate. You know, touch not the unclean thing. And I understand that and I believe that. I'm not telling you to go have a beer with somebody, that's foolishness. But what I am telling you is to spend some time with somebody, love on somebody, show some interest in somebody. Uh, now, one of the things that we could learn to do a lot better, I could learn to do probably less of. You know what? There is an art of asking questions. Did you know that? An art of asking questions. Now, I know I probably, I, I've, been, I've been accused for years of, uh, of just going 20 questions on people, you know. But you know why I do it? I'm, I'm interested in this person. And, and it's good. To, one of the ways that we can interact with people is ask them something about themselves. Ask them something about their lives. Ask them something about their interests. And by the way, when somebody comes back and says, oh, man, I really like NASCAR, don't say, man, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Left turn over and over again. Listen, if that person really likes NASCAR, I'm going to say, man, who you like? Uh, oh, I like so-and-so. And, and, and living in North Carolina, I just, I started pulling for, uh, I, I mean, I didn't watch a whole lot, but I worked, with, I worked with so many dudes that when you come into work Monday morning, man, they were talking NASCAR. Now, I'm not trying to fit in for the sake of fitting in. I wasn't really trying to fit in, but I wanted to have uh, some, some something to talk to these guys about. So I'm just like, uh, and, and, and by the way, I usually would stick with, you know, Dale Jarrett or Mark Martin or it's just, you know, one of the Ford guys uh, versus, versus you know, Earnhardt or uh, Gordon or one of those dudes, you know, you get sick of hearing some of those names. But anyway, I would do that so I could still be a little argumentative, uh, but you know, you, you, you're just asking questions. Get to know people. Care about people. All right. Uh, but that's something you could do. Show the love of Christ. So don't share the gospel. That's the thing. Give the gospel to somebody. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And you say, well, that's simple. But I'm telling you, what was it that turned the world upside down? Paul, Silas, these apostles, they come into your town. They'd go to some public square, some public place. Now, we live in our town, wherever it is you live, your neighborhood, whatever it might be. But they would come in, and they didn't come in, you know, like Ringham Brothers and Barnum and Bailey service or whatever, circus. Uh, They didn't come in with elephants, and and they didn't come in with uh, some big media campaign. They didn't do it that. I'm not, I'm not against media campaigns. I'm not against circuses. I don't suppose uh, they have their place. But what I'm trying to say is when it comes, they just came to town and they said, hey, i got something to tell y'all. They said it just like that too. i got something to tell y'all. What is it? There's a man called Jesus Christ. He's God. He's the creator. He's the Christ of the Old Testament. And he went to the cross to die for you. You were made by Him. You were created by Him. And you'll never truly be satisfied in your life. And it's not about being satisfied, but you you have sinned against this holy God. But this God loves you. He loves you so much He went to the cross for you. And He died there. He paid the debt. There's a, a penalty for your sin. But Jesus paid that penalty. And if you, will, if you will turn from your sins and turn to Christ and, and by great, by faith, through grace, trust in Him, call on Him, He'll save you, He'll forgive you, He'll change your life. That's what's going to turn, turn people's world upside down. Still. Do you believe it? Man, if, if, if we don't believe it, this world is in trouble. If we don't believe it, this country is in trouble. I guarantee you that much. And so the message, 1 Corinthians 1.23, But we preach Christ crucified unto, a Jew, unto the, uh, uh, the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. He said, Just think about what he's saying there. We preach the gospel, and he's saying, well, the Jews, that's a stumbling block because they don't believe Messiah was coming to die. They believe Messiah was coming to rule, which he is coming to rule, but first he had to suffer and die. But it's a stumbling block to the Jews. Well, we ought not preach that because that might offend some of the Jews, you know. So maybe, maybe we shouldn't preach that. And then to the Greeks, the Greeks are sitting around thinking, you guys are idiots. You believe in this one God, you know. And, and to me, I believe that we could identify our culture as a lot more like maybe like a Greek or Roman culture. They think they've got all this knowledge, and they do have a lot of knowledge, but they're missing some very key points, aren't they? And they're very heathenistic in many of their beliefs. And so when we uh, present the gospel, they think, well, that's dumb. You believe that Bible, you're an idiot. You go down to that church, well, that's stupid. You're taking your kids there, you're going to warp their minds. And, uh, you know, well, but guess what? They preached it anyway. They preached it anyway. And you know what? As God's people, we need to preach it anyway. And you say, well, you're the preacher. Yes, I am, but you're a Christian. Amen? You're saved. I'm telling you, it wasn't just the preachers. It wasn't just Paul. There's a sense in which we all ought to be be preachers. There's a sense in which we all ought to be preachers. We all ought to be sharing the Word of God, the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a message that will change your world. It almost seems too simple, doesn't it? That a small, a small army of believers turned the known world upside down in the matter of a few years. And as impossible as that looks, and I, do you know it's still possible? It is still possible. I understand that, that it seems like Christians are a minority. And I know that we are. But we're not as small as a minority as you might think. And I'm telling you, honestly, you could do the math and it's an amazing thing, but if, but if literally you could take the people in this room right now, now this is theoretical, I understand it don't work exactly like this, but literally only the people that are in this room right this moment, if we this year were to lead one person to Christ, disciple that person to the extent that they could lead another person to Christ and disciple that person... And then we would then lead another person to Christ, disciple that one so that they could lead. And while we're doing that, the person we just led to Christ is doing the same thing. Folks, you could sit down and do the math, but I believe it's something in about like eight years or so, we could could reach eight billion people that way. Just with what's in here right now. Um, Now, I know that's theoretical. I know it doesn't just work that way. But I'm telling you, do you believe the gospel? Do you still believe the gospel can change somebody's world? Well, preacher, I don't really know a whole lot. You don't have to know a whole lot. I, I didn't say knowing a whole lot's going to change the world. I said the gospel is going to change the world. And there's absolutely no excuse for any of us not to know the gospel. And, I mean, if you're saved, I mean, if you don't know the gospel, then I, uh, we might have to have a discussion there whether you're saved or not. You've got to know the gospel. Now, you may not exactly, maybe you're newly saved and you don't know how to articulate just right yet. That's fine. But I'm telling you, you could do that by the weekend pretty easily. You, by the weekend, you could, you could figure out a way pretty easily, I believe, to articulate. You say, I don't know if I can or not. Talk to me. I'd be glad to. There's other people in there. Talk to me. It, 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 you, know what you, you know what I did when I first got saved? I was looking for one of our connection cards or, or a gospel track. One of the first things I did, I believe I was advised to do this by one of the people that discipled me. He said, hey, memorize a gospel tract. Just memorize the tract. And so I memorized the track, and the, the track was, uh, do you know for sure if you die today that you'd go to heaven? You know, it was one of those. And, and so I memorized those verses on the Romans Road. And I, I memorized even some, and there wasn't a lot of words in between, but there was words in between. And so I just memorized that. And then I could share that, and I would just share that with people. I'd just share those verses. And ain't that kind of cool? I memorized that. How long ago was 1992? Uh, years. Yeah, I like 29 better than 30. But it's coming up on 30 because it was October when I got saved. But I memorized that. <laughs> Emily laughs like, uh, you know, thanks a lot, Emily. Uh, but I memorized that. And guess what I do on a weekly basis? You know what I'm doing? I'm up here doing something that I, that, that I, that I did 30, nearly 30 years ago. I'm just repeating something that I learned back then. But it's not just repeating. Folks, it's a message that will change the world. You say, Preacher, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, th- th- is it really that way? It absolutely is. They shared the gospel. They didn't, they didn't, now Paul did know a whole lot. But you don't have to know a whole lot. Know the gospel and love somebody and Care. And write down a name and call out that person's name before God. And when you pray for that person, I mean, understand how serious this is. Lord, if this person doesn't get saved, they are going to hell. That's how I prayed for my mom. You know why? Because that's true. On my prayer list, when I got the people that I know they're not saved, on that list, over the heading before I start praying over those people, is lost, don't know Jesus, on their way to hell. You know why? Because, man, that makes me pray intensely for them. And that makes me just want to say, man, I hadn't reached out to them in a while. Maybe I ought to just send them a text today. Maybe I ought to call. Maybe I ought to go by. Let them know I'm praying for them. Let let them just see how they're doing. Maybe invite them to church again. Uh, just, Just let them know that I care about them. As God's people, this is one of our main objectives, people. It really is. To try to get somebody else to Jesus. To try to get somebody else's world not turned upside down but to turn right side up. We get so distracted with the things in our lives and the things of this world. I wonder... How low, and I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on somebody. This is, this is, I'm trying to help you, man. You're the one that's going to make a difference. God, and you're here tonight because God's going to help you to do that. But there's a truth that you got to hold on to and get a hold of. But you've got to look at and think, and I've got to look and ask myself, how low on my priority list is souls? Somebody for whom Jesus died. You know? Where's that at? How much have I thought about that today? And I'm talking, I'm talking to me just as much as you. No, preacher, you're trying to make me feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to make you aware of something that you can tonight say, okay, Lord, wow, thank you for that. Help me to get my priorities in order. Start caring about what you care about. The church, listen, and, and I, I'm, glad that the, I'm glad that the Bible has so much to say about living as a Christian. I love preaching about how we can live in joy and peace and, not, and, and, and overcoming anger and, and better marriages and, and raising our kids. I love and I'm so thankful that the Bible deals with all those things. But I'm telling you, there's nothing that can replace the fact that the main thing is people need Jesus and this gospel will change their life. And I believe a lot of times if we can just get our eyes on that and get our hearts on that, it'll, put, it'll help other things that we've got kind of top. You know what? This is a message that'll turn our world upside down. Because we've got a little topsy-turvy, haven't we? We've got little things. But, but if we get, just get things right back in order again, bam. Some of these things that we've allowed to get up front in our hearts and minds will fall somewhere in the back. And we'll remember, you know what? Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. I remember, Anna, when Jesus saved me. You remember when Jesus saved you? Wasn't that wonderful? You heard the gospel. You got saved by the grace of God. I mean, your sins were forgiven. You had this new life. I mean, and and it's wonderful. And then you just think, man, if I could just get somebody else to experience, have, have that same experience, to know God. So this is a message that will change other people's worlds. It's still a message that will change our worlds. Our lives really ought to be based on the gospel. You know what the gospel is? Good news. And by the grace of God, I want to be a good news person. And, and, And really, at the top of the list of what I want to be as a church, and we are by the grace of God as a church, is a good news church. Good news! Oh, there's some bad news, all right, but I've got some good news for you. And I've got some bad news, but I've got some good news, amen, to follow that up with. I I mean, I'm glad that we've got good news. The gospel is good news. So without TV, radio, internet, or anything else, they changed the world by the grace of Almighty God. As as we'll see here in a moment, they had great opposition. Notice, uh, praise the Lord here in verse number four, and some, that's a good place to pause just for a moment. Not everybody will believe. Preacher, you said if I shared the gospel, it would change people's lives. It will. For some. But some aren't going to believe. But others may. Some, you may not be able to get to come to church, but don't get discouraged. Tell somebody else. Hand somebody else a gospel tract. Invite somebody else to church. Love somebody else. Get get a little, you know, I mean, and and we've talked about this before, man, get a little prospect list. Get get about four, two, three, four, five people on a prospect list. People that you pray for regularly, contact regularly. Maybe try to spend time with regularly. Um, Because there's a cost to turning the world upside down, many of them believed. And verse 5, but. There's always a but understand the Christian life has a lot of buts in it. And what I mean by that is just simply this. Man, it ain't always easy. There's trouble. There's trials. There's things that just don't go right. But the Jews which believe not moved with envy. And they rounded up a bunch of rascals out of the marketplace. Just a bunch of troublemakers. I mean, this is like... It's almost like George Soros or something, you know, that's paying these people to come riot and fight against the uh, apostles. But to just cause, trying to cause a big uproar uh, but, but, but that's what they did and they drew them out and they did all this thing in other words there's a cost there is a cost to trying to change people's world and trying to turn people's world upside down but it's worth it I don't know if this is the right way to say it or not but I'm telling you God really means for you to be the hero in somebody's life He really does God has put you on this earth to be a hero for somebody, to make a difference. I mean, because I see it. Don't I see it in Jude? And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that's spotted by the flesh. I mean, man, I'm just I I'm, I I want to be a hero. I want to be somebody's hero, and I'm not saying I want to be up here and oh wow look at this. No, I'm saying. That really, seriously, you're in somebody's life or you can insert yourself into somebody's life and you really are meant to be a hero for somebody. That's pretty awesome. When when we think that we can be the ones that God can use to turn somebody else's world upside down or right side up. But there's a cost. There's a cost. Sometimes reputation, popularity, some relationships livelihoods, there's things that it costs. And I'm telling you, the enemy is truly attacking the church today. We see that. You know, I, as you can see, I was off my notes tonight, so I'm not just going to go back in through here and go through all my notes, but, uh, but it's just to say that uh, we, we know that there's, that there's an attack. The move of Satan. Satan moved people. Hey, can I, can I give you one little thing of advice here as we try to bring this thing down? There's a really good principle that you need to understand. That if you can lay your eyes on the individual, that is not who your battles with. You know that? How do I know that? Because battle, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Can you see them? Not, it's not them. Can you touch them? It's not them. He said, "Preacher, it sure seems like it." And I'm not saying that Satan's can't aren't using these people. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is, if you can just put things into perspective, no, 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 Satan's my enemy. And his demons and whatever else is behind what's going on with this person, and this person has allowed Satan to use their lives, but that person's not my enemy. Satan's my enemy. And what it does is it puts things in perspective. You're God's soldier. You're God's soldier. You're God's warrior. You're meant to be a hero in somebody's life. But Satan's trying to do everything he can to keep you from being that. You hear me? Satan's doing everything he can to keep you from being the hero for somebody. And if he gets us in such a, such a, a bad way, to where we're, we're, we're sitting here thinking, Preach, I can't help myself. How am I supposed to help somebody else? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, man, but when we understand Satan's my enemy, that means I'm on God's side. That means I've got a mission to carry out. Hey, we've got a message that will change people's worlds. There was the move of Satan, there's the move of God, and then lastly, and I don't know if I'll share this or not uh, next week, but, but then there's the march of the church. You know what? The church went on. Matthew 16, 18, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We worry a lot in America, don't we? I guess we worry a lot everywhere. I've told you this before, but it it blows my mind. I wonder if it blows your mind. I'm talking about the church. The gates of hell not prevailing against the church. What do you think about the church in China? What do you think about the church in some of these Islamic countries, you know, like Burkina Faso? What do you think about the church in these places? I'll tell you one thing. The government is 100% against them. Or in some of these Muslim situations, sometimes it's the government, sometimes it's just who, whichever warlord happens to be running things at that moment. I mean, they'll kill your hide. But look at the numbers. You know the two churches that are growing faster than any other in the world? Church of China. Souls being saved like you wouldn't believe. Hey, I think we ought to learn to appreciate church, by the way. Can I say that? I I, I I was I can't remember who it was I was listening to the other day, but uh, but he w- he w- he was in China and he went to an underground church in China, and, and, and a girl got up to sing and, and the girl said, Pastor, can I can, can I sing can I sing to, can I sing three songs? I believe it was tonight. Maybe you've heard this. Can I sing three songs tonight? Absolutely, you can. And she got up there with tears and, and her heart and just sang out for Jesus. And the congregation was moved a little bit more unusual than you would think, just with the songs and whatever. And so the visiting pastor said, what's going on here? He said, well, what you need to understand is this. And I can't remember the exact details, but her dad's already been killed for, for the cause of Christ. A couple others in her immediate family have been killed. Others have been jailed. There's a very good chance this is her last time coming because they're on tour. So she's probably this is probably going to be her last time here. So she just wants to sing a couple extra songs. This is, maybe this isn't good for a Wednesday night crowd, but can I tell you something? Keep coming to church. Don't, don't take church for granted. But that church in China, growing. Oh, they'll kill the pastor. They'll, they'll shut it down. They'll repossess. They'll take, the government will take somebody's home because they allowed a church to meet in that home. What's that do? Somebody else opens up their home. One of the men in the church just stands up and says, well, I'll handle this week. Let's move out over here and we'll do it again. Same thing. The largest, those that are growing the quickest is China and Islam. Those are the, the people that are getting saved the most are, people, uh, are Muslims and those that are in China. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? According to the numbers that, I, uh, that I've read. But here's the point that I'm just simply trying to make. The church goes on. Church goes on. Now, praise God, somebody mentioned praying for the elections. I'm glad we still got the opportunity to do that. Now we, we understand. I hope to goodness we understand that if we get whoever in the White House I don't I mean, if, if, if we were able to resurrect George Washington from the dead and put him in the White House, that's not the hope of this country, people. It's the gospel, the gospel. That's it. The gospel. That's what we need is revival. but at the same time. We need to pray. Amen? We need to be involved in the process. That's just part of being a good citizen, being a good steward. Uh, uh, Vote and and, and run for for, uh, uh, office and things of that nature if God so leads you to do. Because that will, you know, put put those in office that are going to be more on our side. Because I'm telling you right now, I rejoice, and we was rejoicing Sunday in the wonderful freedom that we had that, that, that I can gather here, and, and, and Ryan mentioned it, without fear. But that, that, you know what popped in my mind? I was like, not everybody comes to church these days without fear anymore. Ain't that right? In the back of their minds, there's something there. But I'll tell you something else, too. What about, we know, I'm telling you, there's those in the government that want to call it, that want to 100% classify this Bible as hate speech. 100%. And they would love just to shut this place down. I promise you that. And there's those that are working to do so. So that's why it's important that we get involved and stay involved in the process. But because we have that opportunity. Now, here's the thing. If it goes the other way, guess what? The church is going to go on. Church is going to go on. uh, Because the church goes on. Amen. All right. Uh, Well, thank you for letting me share my heart with you tonight. Um, Why don't we... uh, uh, close. Well, who, who was playing piano? Now? I don't. know. Sonia, would you mind coming and playing just something in uh, closing? I don't know if you got anything on your heart or mind or not. You got an idea, Sonia? Putting her on the spot. What would be a good one to sing? I'll take a request here. Well, I, don't know. I surrender all. all. That'll be a good one. What, what number is that? One hundred fifty-three. Let's all stand and. We'll sing this as the closing tonight. All to Jesus I surrender.